Welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Karen Nadison, CEO of PayU South Africa. PayU allows online businesses to accept and process payments through payment methods that can be integrated with web and mobile applications. Karen, how are you doing? I'm good, Stacey. How are you? Good, good, good. I finally got to meet you on Friday at the FNASA launch. Um, it was such a lovely event. How has your night, how's your night, how's your week been? Yes, my week's been great. It was lovely to see you as well. I had a fantastic time at the event. It was just so amazing to see so many fintechs in one room. Have you been to an event like that since COVID? No, not on that scale. Yeah, it was awesome having everyone in one room, just seeing people that were like, wow, this is not a Zoom call. I've seen your face for the last <laughs> two years, seeing some clients, meeting them in person. It, it was such an amazing experience. Um, your name has come up quite a few times, even at the event. You're somebody that I've always wanted to get to know. I think that you have such an amazing story um, and I'm eager to hear more about you. So do you mind just setting the scene and telling the audience just more about your career journey and then essentially what led you to to become CEO of PayU South Africa. Okay, cool. Um, so I've been in tech for most of my life. I My dad got me a computer when I was uh, quite young and I was mm-hmm. able to study computer science at school. Um, and then I did a, a degree in computer science and information, information technology at Rhodes University. Um, I got hired straight out of uni as a Java developer, and I worked okay. um, at two startups in Cape Town in, in various tech roles. Um, so that's that's basically how I landed up in Cape Town, and I never wanted to leave because it's so beautiful here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from there, I um, I did a second degree. I did a BCom honors degree at UCT. And then got a job at ShopRite. Um, I worked as, mm. um, um, I think it was business and systems analyst on a project migrating from their AS400 system to uh, Microsoft.NET framework using BizTalk and MSMQ for the queue orchestration. And that was in the early 2000s. So so that was basically my, um, just my background in South Africa. It wasn't really a very long time. And, yeah. and at this point, I think this helped me land a job in the UK. So I moved to the UK for, I think it was around nine years. Um, um, I worked with Microsoft uh, directly as a business and systems analyst and some global, wow. global projects. Um, and then from there, one of my colleagues was moving to Microsoft and he asked if I would come along with, uh, which I did, um, to BP. And there I ended up in um, this cool mansion house on Wichachan Hill with some rather nerdy nerdy chemists at BP uh, working at industrial lubricants and services. What a change up. I know. So, I mean, it was always in tech, but I mean, I've just, I've been, yeah, lots of different companies, lots of industries. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. even at BP. So after BP, I, I took a, I took a beef, uh, like a break in between and I did some, um, consulting in the payment sector. And then I moved into um, BP Global Communications um, within IT and services um, on on strategic projects. And um, after a couple of years there, I found myself back at Cape Town at this little startup called PayU. What intrigued you of PayU at the time? 
Uh, nothing much. <laughs> so, <laughs> great, so, great, great. <laughs> so, you know, I was, um, I, I wanted to come back um, to South Africa, specifically to Cape Town, I would say. Um, and so this was really something to tide me over. I'd been offered an opportunity, a BP opportunity in Johannesburg. That's where all the strategic roles um, Got you. And I turned that down because, you know, my intention was really to, to live in Cape Town. Mm. And I think, you know, it was, it was really, really difficult for me uh, culturally having lived so many years away, but also having worked in yes. same, yeah, having worked in St. James Square and Canary Wharf um, with the best of the best in a very, very fast paced environment for the last few years and, and you yeah. chose cape town <laughs> out, of, out of all the cities in south africa yeah i mean it's like super fast too extremely slow and yes um, it was challenging really really challenging um mm-hmm. you know and, and i think um I, I started to get quite frustrated but i also um i took on a lot of work i had a lot of time mm-hmm. i was single um, I just wanted to cycle, hike, uh, make the most of the, this beautiful place. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and I worked and that was really my life. And I had a lot of experience um, from these roles that, you know, I'd had in, in the UK. So there was quite a bit that I could um, offer to the startup, really. So mm-hmm. I started to put in um, processes, um, portfolio management. And at some point, um Pay was starting to become, NASPAS was draining in these, these fintech investments they'd made and pulling into one global company. So, uh, you know, at that point, um, I started to take on bigger roles. So I became the product head for Middle East and Africa. I led a portfolio management team globally. And so I was able to put in a lot more structure, uh, processes, uh, business case ideation to product delivery, for instance. Mm. Um, and at some point, um, I think the the global team or the NASPA's um, leadership team started to review the, the business globally. And at that point, um, I think I'd, I'd worked to pay for about maybe three years, two, three years. And I mm-hmm. was on this mission um, to change our um, technology infrastructure, our architecture, essentially. And I really wanted us to move to um, CICD, so continuous integration and delivery deployment, because I was just getting yeah. so frustrated with having to wait mm-hmm. for a month for deployments and rollbacks and that sort of thing. So I was on this like... Um, uh, you know, I was evangelizing uh, this, this move um, because my previous experience, it, it seemed as if I, I'd left South Africa and come back and, and not much had changed in terms of this. Wow. And in South Africa? Yes, because I mean, in the UK. I felt we, that we as just, well, yeah. yeah. We just didn't, you know, we, we, this was a thing of the past, you know. So this monolithic architecture was a thing of the past. Of course, PayU had um, very good reason for building things the way that they did. However, um, yeah, this, 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 of course, has changed over time. But at that particular time, I was, you know, going around presenting my ideas, the CTO and the global, global leadership team happened to be there. And I was also, I was quite pregnant at the time. I must have been like eight <laughs> quite months pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so very, about a pop. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, uh, I, I went on maternity leave, you know, after this and, and at that point, um, the, the, the business reviews were, were being done and there were a few roles that, um, had now opened, um, 
particularly for a business development and strategy head for the rest of Africa to expedite our growth in Africa and a CEO role for South Africa. And I think there was one more role on a consumer consumer head for our consumer side of the business. So this was all, you know, when I was on maternity leave and there were lots of whispers and uh, I would imagine strategies being employed, but I really was excluded mm. from that, which was, I think, um, saving grace. I didn't really get involved in, in, in the politics. Um, and I didn't really think about the roles. You know, I, I was really considering my life at the time, uh, what this meant to be um, a mom and I wasn't sure what my next um, career move would be. Um, and I really, really didn't think, you know, of this role. And I, I think there were 10 internal applications. And and um, on whilst I was on maternity leave, um, someone from the leadership team, I think it was the, it could have been the CEO, it was the CEO at the time, the CEO mm-hmm. for one of the areas, I think it was EMEA. And he'd invited me to a dinner he'd come down to do a business review and we literally had like a 15 minute chat um i think he'd, he had to leave to the airport and in this chat he then planted the seed of these are the roles available and you know can you start to think about it but we already are yeah. quite far down the line with this um with the the africa business development and then I, that, that's really it. So I, um, yeah, I went from not thinking about it at all and and then going, okay, is this something that I can do? He gave me a few weeks to, to think about it. And, and, and that's, that's it. That's how it happened. And what was your experience going in? I know that we were initially chatting about how you took over PayU. At a time, it was constantly losing market share. It's, it's a completely different business today, probably one of the largest and most successful PSPs. How can you talk, can you talk to us about this journey and essentially what you did to change, to make it to be this business it is? Yeah, so... <laughs> You know, it's a large one. It's a large one. Yeah, it really, it really is because I, I didn't take a company that was incredibly successful, as you say, it was looking mm. losing market share every year. And was even, that exciting to you? Um, it was. I won't say exciting. I think I, I, you know, I, I had to think about this quite a bit before I made the decision. And I, for me, it was, it could be make or break, right? I was very young. This was my first CEO position. I'm really young. I think it was like early thirties. So Mm. I had to really think about, is this some, is this, can I turn this business around? You know, do I really Mm. have what it takes? And that's a really difficult question for somebody who hasn't done this before. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So then what made you feel like you could do it? Believing in yourself. No, that sounds really cliche, no, no. but <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> absolutely no, no. not. I, I would say, um, <laughs> you know, I, I did give it a lot of thought. So I, um, I, I had a lot of experience. So one of my roles at BP was to manage something called the Bill of IT for my division, which mm-hmm. is a st- strategic roadmap and it assesses the IT function spend, and that is across the board: products, projects, infrastructure, people, including outsourced organizations, and it aligns this to the core strategy. Um, to optimize the spend over time. So I had a lot of business knowledge in addition to my product and technology background. Um, I also knew the people really, really well um, at PayU. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, as I said, I'd become a subject matter expert. I knew the competition. I knew the industry. So I really had 
these things in in my back pocket. So I wasn't really, mm. even though I thought, okay, I haven't done this before. I haven't transformed a company. I actually had been involved in various change management yeah. processes and large strategic projects with massive budgets, you know, far bigger than any, any project I've worked in in South Africa. So I, ha- yeah. I really did have that. Um, and I, I, I sat and I thought about um, the things that I would change and the things that I'd already been trying to change over the last few years. But here, I would have a bit more autonomy, more leverage to change it, more power to change it. And I think that's probably what really interested in me. You know, I could actually go and make the changes if I had the right support, which I did have um, at the mm-hmm. time from the senior leadership team. Um, so I did feel that this is something that, that I could do. Um, I was given some ridiculous goals. Um, and I think that these were ridiculous, but it still helped myself and my team to focus on a very key execution plan over the next two, three years. Um, and I think that this is also something that really, really helped us. Was there a particular strategy that you employed? I would say we used lots of strategy tools, you know. Okay. And included everybody. The whole organization had to be included in this. Mm. So it was the buy-in of the management team and then of all their teams, you know, the wider teams. But we used a number of strategy tools. We had strategy sessions and the general staff, SWAT, PESL, the general tools, which are really, really useful. Um, Later Mm -hmm. on, I'd used lots of other um, tools like integrative thinking, for instance, with my team. And we still will continue to use strategy tools. But I, I think for me, it's like what I learned is strategy is not just, you know, you, you're, you're following blue ocean, for instance. It's yeah. you can use these tools. However, the way you execute is really based on the sum total of your lived experiences, you know. And that's really, I think, what allowed me to lead this because I had this background, I had this experience, I had this knowledge, I knew the team and all of those things together um, are what allowed me to take pay you through this whole transition. I also had a really, really great coach. And I think that this was mm. incredibly important because um, you need to voice your thoughts in a safe environment which is incredibly challenging to do in this position. And I met frequently. Where did you find your coach? um, NASPERS actually has, um, uh, yeah, they provide it. There's a coaching program that they have with some excellent, excellent coaches. And so, yeah, Peter, my coach, was absolutely amazing. He was there every two weeks and we had a long conversation. And I actually found, I mean, he wasn't giving me any any advice, anything new. He literally was just Mm -hmm. going, you've got this, you know how to do this, you know, yeah. what's going through your mind? What are the, if yeah. you do it, you know, what are the options? So it was literally just somebody to, it's just that my voice just kind of hearing it back and going, okay, mm. okay, this is what we can do. This is what we should do. This is what, you know, and that helped me tremendously. I cannot even tell you. The other thing that was incredibly important you know, it's great to have a strategy and to go and execute. You need a really, really good plan and you need to get support from your global leadership team if there is. And for mm-hmm. me, I think that that plan really helped to solidify their support because it was, okay, I'm going to meet your goals. These are the things that I want to do. I need your support in doing this. 
okay, go out and you have autonomy in doing it. There are a couple of our clients that are going through a lot of changes, very similar to what you entered pay you as, whether that's one due to a scandal that they're losing market share or they lost their CEO or one of their founders are moving on. What advice would you give to somebody in a similar situation that you found yourself in? Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a few things I think that really stand out. Um, I would say... So, you know, I don't think that there's anything that is less fulfilling than coming to work at a place that has no vision and you're working in this yeah. little silo, especially for me yeah. in technology. It's such an exciting space to be in. And I like people to be involved and, you know, I, I include them. So I think that's something that is really important. I included every single person. There was, there was no mm -hmm. one that was left behind in this journey. You know, everybody, like everybody knew what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. They were all included in the strategy. We had like this massive um, strategy session with every single person. So um, I think that buy-in is really important. You know, you, you need to work towards a bigger, bigger purpose. So find out what drives people and also hire people that are passionate and believe in what you want to achieve. Um, as I said, a, str a strong supportive team that has your back um, and, and vice versa, you need to do the same. I don't think it's, it's a really good culture in throwing anybody under the bus. So, yeah. And, and things go wrong in tech, you know, databases yes. get deleted, <laughs> um, things fall <laughs> over. And the way you approach these situations um, are really, really important, you know. So, yeah, strong supportive team. Don't be afraid to take risks. Um, but I think when you take these risks, you need to really do your homework. So mm. do your homework, um, make sure that you're prepared to take these risks. And also you have to be prepared to get your hands dirty, S especially in a transformation. Um, you've got to be agile. You have to be extremely ha hands-on. And I think you've got, to, you've got to find your rhythm with the team. Presence yeah. is, is incredibly important. So we had... Um, once we had uh, devised a plan, and I mean, everyone was, in, was involved in this plan, right? We devised our plan. The team had their own st stand-ups. And we had, on a Monday morning, we had a company-wide stand-up where we would all align and we would go. And this was, it was 100 people, so not so easy to do. Wow. But we did it wow. because we had to all be on the same page. So it was like this, yeah. almost like to fine tuning, you know, right down to the T. These are the things that are important for us. These are the things that are, these are the impediments. How do we get through this? We were just making mm -hmm. sure that we were all on the same page every single day, every single week for about, I think, two years. You know, until we started to see the light, we were like, right, okay, now we're in a better place and we can change 
a few things, you know, and these are the other areas we can optimize and and so forth. But but that was it. It was like this finely tuned machine. How did you find the balance between taking risks, staying innovative, agile while implementing the right process? So um the one thing that I learned um specifically, I mean this is something that Peyu taught me actually. Um, and, mm. and in my um, role as uh, the head of product, it was there's no shortage of ideas. I think that the, mm-hmm. the, the biggest problem that we had at PayU was that there were too many ideas to, and too many projects mm. that were half done because there was something else that was more important um, that popped up. So it's like you can have the the best ideas want to, you know, it, there was always the story of the, of the team wanting to work on innovation. You know, no matter yeah. how many innovative product ideas came up, it was like, okay, we need to work on innovation. And I just, and I, and I think it's like the one thing that I, that I wanted um, at PayUs was to change that culture. I think it's the most demotivating thing to have to work on things. That to change never, the innovation. Never, well, work on things that never land. That's what it is. So it doesn't mm. matter if you're, mm. you're, you could be taking a risk. You could be working on innovation. Whatever you call it, it needs to land, you know? So, yeah. so for me, it's like you must take the risk. It must be calculated. It can be innovative, but you need to have done the homework and stay focused, stay on yeah. that path and get it delivered. Don't take on too much. Don't try to do everything. Don't let hype and excitement of a new idea prevent you from, do, from doing your homework. You know, business cases are important, mm. so stay the course. So mm. for me, I think it's like if you if you want to take on risks and you want to be innovative, you need to stay focused and structured. So and you can be as agile as possible and still be structured. So I just want to put that yeah. out there because some people think you know saying structured means not being agile, but that's exactly what it is. Did you ever feel like there was too many voices? You mentioned over a hundred people on cause everyone obviously having different ideas different opinions on the direction to go in like how how do you stay focused no i definitely don't think so so um, you know i conducted with my team a full review and analysis of the business of every single area of the business and i think for me it was i'm a numbers person so it was really starting with the numbers so let's look Mm. at you know yeah (laughs) how much money we're making where is it coming from which products you know Um, what are people costing us? What is operations costing us? And then looking at where we could drive certain efficiencies. We were part of a global company. We decided to, um, uh, optimize some of the functions by centralizing them. And, and all of these, these things that we did, it was decided with the team because it was make or break. It was okay. We can, Mm. we can do nothing, continue at this pace and we can just close, you know, forget about pay you. Yeah. Or we can do a full analysis of the business and we can turn things around. And for, for, so it was, it was finance, some of the operational aspects. And the biggest part of this was a product and technology strategy, right? So yeah. what, what was going to completely change the game for us? And so we really focused on product innovation. So we took, a, you know, to answer your previous question, we took massive risks because we yeah. had to turn things around. But we also, and these were not only product, it was technology, platform related. It cost a lot of money. So we now, we were going to be expending money as well, you know. 
So, so I think that that's why we, we tried to ensure that we had a very clear plan and very clear targets and we were able to execute it. Because any penny we, we spent, we want to make sure that that was going to turn into some type of revenue and get us out of this um, losing market share every single year. Was it tough getting everyone's buy-in? Initially, it was really tough. Can you give some advice around that? Let's see. <laughs> I think... You can take your time. Yeah, I mean, I think for us it was, um, we knew that the company had to transition. So everybody knew this, right? The whole point mm-hmm. of me being appointed was so that we could drive change, significant change. And, yeah. and I, okay, so if I'm going to give pointers, I would say you have to be extremely transparent. So when I yeah. looked at everything, um, I took that information and I had a town hall and I presented it back to the team. And the picture wasn't a pretty one, but that is exactly what it needed to be so that everybody would yes. have a bit of a wake up call to go, this is not a sustainable business. You cannot stay in startup mode forever. We need to transition into a proper business, you know? So I was, so, and then from that point, it was like, okay, this is the starting point for us now. We need to get to here. And you guys, we all need to work together to lay out the plan of every single thing that needs to be done to get to this point. Mm. Mm. So, so it was a, everyone in. So there were a few people that would, you know, I think for me, just getting into this position was already very challenging, as you can imagine. Yeah. I was very yeah. young. I had a, I just had a baby. Um, female, of color, all yes. those things, whatever it is, you yes. name it. Yes. And so there was quite a few people that had applied for the role that didn't get it that also were not very happy. Mm. Um, and I think this is also where you need other people, global leadership, that completely believe in you and are there to say, this is it. They're behind you. Did you ever have imposter syndrome? You know, I really was so, so focused on the task because I think to a degree I was just it was a very risky thing to do so I was also a bit scared and that just got me to just overdrive in this Mm. mode of I worked like crazy I don't think I I mean I was up at every every hour um well I had a baby but I was also yeah so you literally were up I I literally was up and, and the funny thing is I think that that helped you know I had to wake up like every two three hours uh, for my son. And when I woke up, I also would work, you know, in that time. So I was oh literally gosh. up and I, and I don't think I oh averaged my. more than four hours sleep in the first year. Um, oh. to the, How to did the you point. function? How? I, I think as a woman, you have special abilities and I'm not yes. joking because I do not remember being tired because how do you wake up every two to three hours to nurse your child? You just do, uh-uh. you know, yeah. and you can go on. And I just did. And I think it was like for the first year, not much sleep. But the second year, things started to change. So it got a little bit better. And, you know, from there, we saw the light and it started getting a lot better, you know, quite quickly. Um, but we were really agile. We were very, very um, aware of, our, uh, I wouldn't say competition, but I think everything that was happening in the market. Um, and we were able to adapt um, quite quickly. Once we had made the significant changes that we needed to make, the foundation was laid for us to really, really start to scale and yeah, work on yeah. more interesting things. So the groundwork had been done. 
so impressive. There are so many challenges being a young woman in fintech, in leadership. You did this while having a baby, waking up every couple hours. Mind blown. What advice do you have for somebody molding their leadership style? They're young. Um, We see this happening often in fintech, really, really young um, women and men um, in top leadership positions, building this business, getting given large sums of funding. Is there anything that either you do differently or just advice around molding your leadership style at a young age? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy being a woman in technology, but I actually don't, it's not easy leading any company. And I think Mm -hmm. for me, it's like the one thing that really hit me when I got the position is that I'm now responsible for salaries of 100 people, 100 families depend on me. Yes. You know, and I don't know if that's just the thinking of a woman, but it was like, you know, it's like you have got to, you've got to make this successful and and, and this Mm -hmm. has to be a success. And if you, even things like, you know, restructuring and whatever, the way I handle it was making sure we, we, um, address that it wasn't the people who would fail. It was really the Mm -hmm. business, the business leaders, you know, um, and, and trying to do right by them, however we could, including celebrating like every person. Um, so, you know, I said to you, we had these Monday standups. We would also use that as a coffee catch up and do a celebration for the people that were leaving and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, we, I think things were thought through quite carefully um, to develop a new culture. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really, it is challenging. And I, and I, um, and I think that for me, um, I was really, really, as I say, I was quite focused on the task. Um, and I believe that you, there's two things, right? There, there's, and we've spoken about this. You're a combination of, of two elements. The, the one is really the skills that you have, this technical mm-hmm. and soft skills that are some total of, of all your experiences, right? And you need to be very aware of what those are. Very aware because, you know, I also said to you that I wasn't even interested in this role, but I had the skills. And I think that yeah. many women actually face this challenge. You know, we just don't apply for roles. We just don't think we can do it, but, but we have the ability. The other part is that you also have to be aware, do your homework and be aware of the skills that you need help with, both the, the, the soft skills and other. And go and get help for those. I said I had a coach. But I also had a few things that my coach was not able to give me that people in my team were able to. Yeah. So you need to recognize skills in other people, you know, that are part of your team that will fill like the deficit. Mm. You, you are working in a team. You're never, ever working alone. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think any advice for anyone on, and, and specifically women is really it's that self-belief, believe in yourself, understand the skills that you have and what you have to contribute, and you will find that they're generally significant. Um, mm-hmm. And know, know yourself well enough to know the areas that um, you need development in and get help oh. and find help for those. Thank you. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. Thank you so much for being on this episode. I personally learned so much. I know our listeners have as well. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. Where's the best place for listeners to reach you? I definitely think LinkedIn. Cool. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cool. Thank you so much, Stacey. It was great talking to you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.